Ladies, this is our time, and it's time to unburden ourselves of unrealistic expectations, including our own. The veneer we see in the media is often not just false, it's unhealthy. And frankly, some of it is just total bullshit. This is Chick Shit, a podcast that goes far beyond tropes, bringing you gritty realness about real-life experiences of today's woman. LJ and I break it down, right here, right now. Welcome to Chick Shit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of your Favre's weekly podcast, Chick Shit with LJ and I. I'm LJ, and I'm here to tell you that we're going to talk about how the media portrays women's issues, what they get really, really right, and what they get really, really wrong. And honestly, a lot more people than just women deal with this stuff. So, everybody, come listen. Every week, I pick the drinks and Die picks the topics. Die, what are we talking about? So today we are actually going to talk about women in the corporate world and the media that we're going to use to break down this topic today is one of my mine and my mom's favorites, uh, the devil wears Prada shout out mama. (laughs) (laughs) And what are we, (laughs) Uh, and what are we drinking today? Thank you for asking. So As part of my drink explanation, I think we need to all agree that when a man walks up to a bar and says, I want this specific drink with this specific liquor and this specific glass, it's considered that guy knows what he likes. That guy's getting stuff done. And if a woman walks up to the bar and does the exact same thing, they're like, "Mm, look what she's wearing. Eh, That was kind of rude. They can't separate her good ideas from power moves. So when I walk up to a bar and say, I want a Hendrix and tonic with a splash of elderflower liqueur, St. Germain specifically, cucumber if you have it, if not nothing. And if you put a lime in there, I will throw this drink in your face. People look at me like I'm rude, but really I just know what I want. And after years of picking out the cheapest cocktail on the menu to not bother anyone, whether I like it or not, no, I want my Hendrix and I want it with tonic and I want it with St. Germain elderflower and you will get it for me. Thank you very much. Oh, I like this. Oh, cheers. Also, you look like you're about to do shit and take names. You look awesome. Thank you. This is actually not a podcast. This is an interview. And I would like to give you, I would like to give you the opportunity to share an example of a time when you've been faced with a difficult decision, how you made it and what the outcome was. I'm totally joking. Oh, I just yeah. bought this blazer pre-COVID <laughs> and haven't been this- in the office since. And I said, this blazer is coming to the show. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, wait, am I supposed to have an answer for you? Because <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, it was unclear that your job actually said, before we officially, officially hire her, we need LJ to interview her live on the podcast. <laughs> That's our last bit before you start this new job. Yeah, so for anybody um, who can't see me, I went uh, with a Lauren Conrad for Kohl's rose pink laser <laughs> with cuffed three quarter length sleeves. I have not cut the stitches out of the pockets yet, so I can't hold anything for you, but I still look cute. Yeah. And I have a perennial plum lip. And I went with my brown glasses because I really think they say women in the corporate world. Oh, they say this bitch is running the corporate world. My outfit on the other end. (laughs) (laughs) 
I did not tell Di that I was coming fully, no, fully done. No, this and I have, when I've been outside doing so much yard work to get our home prepped for sale. And I have, I have like, I don't, I can't tell if I've got a tan or if this is just, it's dirt. just dirt because I cleaned out our window wells. Um, Nobody else will know. Yeah. So we're hey, just going to go get with the, thing, got a tan. the hole in front of your house that I kept thinking I was going to step in and die. And that's where I would live my hour of life. Yeah. Out. Well, now you can really step in it and die because I've cleaned out the leaves that have been in there since last August. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did too. So in order to prep our house for sale, and we'll get more into this on another podcast uh, about why we're selling our home and what we're doing and all that good stuff. But in order to do so, we've kind of had like these tasks lined up this whole week of like what we're doing, what we have to check off the list. And so today mine was bag up all the leaves that have been in our front yard since fall 2020. And as I was bagging, you up were the- just making it cottage core. <laughs> yeah. You just really were, you picked a theme and you stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, y'all know, I love Halloween or I don't know if we've even gotten into that yet, but like I, we the fall, people the aren't fall. ready for that yet. Okay. We'll hold that. But anywho. <laughs> okay. So I'm like bagging these leaves up and I did about 80% of them, but then I got to the part where the leaves are like lined up with the fence and they've gotten mm. a little wet and they've yeah. been stuck there for a while. Can't do it. And so I used a rake to like get the leaves up that were close to the fence. And as I started doing that, there were a lot of creepy crawlies. Nope. 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 Burn the house Underneath down. those Burn wet leaves down. that I could not, I couldn't, I, I could not. There were like Flame some little them. earthworms Just, and like, nope. like, nope. so Ain't. Matt's going to have to finish that up because I've done my part. (laughs) This is really random, but I just said "Eh, eh," like, uh, uh." but now all I can think of is the big timers. The truck went "Eh, eh," and all of a sudden (laughs) then I heard boom from the amplifier. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I need to tell you that the entire back porch is being redone for your visit. So that your Harry Potter fall movie viewing experience can be the best possible. We laid new carpet down today. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It was not fun. And I was mm. not very helpful because we were also watching the Wimbledon final. Yeah. And I was yelling at the TV because I'm a big tennis fan. Mm-hmm. I did not want Novak Djokovic to win, but I digress. Prepare yourself. <laughs> it's about to be fresh. <laughs> I'm excited to watch my favorite Harry Potter with Christy with the K, which is also her fa- favorite Harry Potter too. So also y'all, all of our outfits for our Nashville photo shoot are showing up. Mm-hmm. My prom dress for pod prom is supposed to arrive tomorrow. Di, have you finalized your look for pod prom? Yeah, 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 I am. It's a little scandalous. Did you go with the one that you showed me? We're not going to tell people what it is, but did yeah. you go with it? Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be, Judith you know, may, we were if talking a strong about- wind blows, you may see Judith. <laughs> well, we were talking about it being hot in Nashville. So I was like, well, basically let me just not wear clothes. And <laughs> problems I'll just go nude. So you guys, uh, when she said it's a little scandalous, I sent her a picture of Lil Kim's infamous VMAs outfit where she just has the purple seashell pasty over one of her boobs. And I was mm-hmm. like, is it this? close it's more it's more scandalous <laughs> than that 
prepare yourself. (laughs) But you know where I don't wear scandalous clothes? To corporate life. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. I am going to rate that transition a five out of 10 chicks. It was a little forced, but it wasn't our worst work. <laughs> That's fair. Shall I get us into the media summary for The Devil Wears Prada? Yes, ma'am. Andy is a recent college graduate with big dreams. Upon landing a job at prestigious Runway Magazine, she finds herself the assistant to a diabolical editor, Miranda Priestley. Andy questions her ability to survive her grim tour as Miranda's assistant without getting scorched. So opening scene of this movie, there are a lot of montages in this movie to help us go through a year's worth of scenes. We have quickly. time for a movie montage. <laughs> we always have time for a movie montage. Jack, that was for you. And there are three of them in this movie. So the opening scene, we see a lot of women getting ready for work in contrast to how Andy is getting ready for an interview that she's going to go to. This film is set in New York City. And I think that a lot of corporate movies or like business movies are always set in New York because that's the only place you can have a corporate career, according to Hollywood. We meet Emily, who is Miranda Priestley's first assistant, who I just realized that Emily is Emily Blunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it was Emily Blunt, but I just realized that it's Emily Blunt and her character name is also Emily. So sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the movie that John Krasinski fell in love with Emily Blunt and like had to meet her because of that's adorable. I know. I know. Stop it. But also, what does that say about the character that he was attracted to? <laughs> I just, I don't, the, my favorite scene with her is like towards the end. So I'm not going to jump there, even though I wanted to. (laughs) So Andy is off to an interview at this prestigious firm runway, which is basically Vogue. If you want to replace Miranda Priestly with Anna Wintour, you can do that. That's kind of the premise of the movie. Yeah. Right. And the opening scene shows that Miranda Priestley is going to arrive earlier than what everybody thought. And there's a lot of like chaos happening to get prepared for Miranda to come into the office. And before we get to the interview, I think that the opening scene does a couple of things. One of which is it shows us like blatant foreshadowing that Andy is about to get into something over her head and that she most likely, yeah, won't fit in. And we'll talk about the interview in a moment, but I also think it really sets the tone for the type of boss that the movie wants us to associate with Amanda, which is kind of like an authoritarian leadership style where she commands presence and preparedness when she walks into the room. FYI, I feel like when I do go back into office, which is going to probably tentatively be around fall, I'm going to have my outfit. I'm going to have my power blazer. I will be in heels. I feel like in my head, I'm going to strut in there in heels and everyone's going to be clearing a path being like, she's here, get ready. (laughs) So I'm going to have this moment in a few months. I mean, back. That checks out. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I, I like, I like when I went into the office, I actually like dressing up for work. I know not everyone, not that I felt that I have to, 
but I do, I do, I don't know. It, it's, it helps me be confident. Not again, that I don't need clothes to make me confident, but it makes me feel good. And so if I want to throw on a blazer with some heels, it's not because that expectations there, but it's just like, I want to do this for myself and I want to listen. Yeah. I get it. I am the lipstick queen. I love a bright Mm. pop of color. Yeah. I miss wearing my lipstick every day. Yeah. But not enough to put it on every day while I'm at home. I I do have to draw the line somewhere and that's right where it's drawn. Well, and as, as I transitioned to fully remote too, I have made sure that like from the waist up, I Mm -hmm. still get myself ready because I do want to, like, I am a hundred percent fully remote now. Yes. And with, with my new job and I have to feel like I'm actually like getting ready for work. Like mm-hmm. I want to feel that environment, um, and set that up. So it's like a mind shift too, right. Yes. Um, it gets you prepared for the day, et cetera. I, I also think it's interesting that in this office, we see a few things. One of which is Andy is starting her career. She Mm -hmm. just finished college. She's starting her career. Miranda is established. She is the editor in chief of runway. She's at the Mm -hmm. top of the top in the business because you can tell runway is the fashion magazine across the world, just like Vogue's checks. And then you see Emily, who's kind of in the midst of her career. Like she's gotten her plate, gotten to a place where she feels confident, but she's also very anxious and unsure of herself in certain ways as well. For her moving from assistant number two to assistant number one, and no longer having to have the jacket and the purse thrown on her desk every morning when, uh, miss Miranda Priestley, AKA queen Merrill walks in is like a huge (laughs) deal, right? That's a, she is now essentially, I think she views herself as a superior to assistant number one. And I don't mean that as she thinks she's a superior person. I mean that and like the hierarchy of the roles. Yes. Yes. And I think it's also interesting that this film puts us in an office setting that is primarily women and Mm -hmm. women hold the power. And Stanley Tucci, who is, (laughs) I love him so much. One of the greatest character actors of our time. Correct. If you need proof, go watch burlesque. If you can steal the show from Sharon Christina, give the man an Oscar. (laughs) So Andy goes into this interview and when she shows up, she is not prepared. And a few things stand out to me. One of which is that she actually interviews directly with Miranda, which is interesting that that is her first interview. I mean, she's done an HR screening. We can tell Mm -hmm. that, but like the fact that she automatically went to interview with the editor in chief, like that's huge. You need to be on your shit. You need to be prepared. She is not. Well, I don't think she knew she was interviewing with Miranda. I think she thought she was interviewing with Emily and Miranda was like, Emily, you done fucked up the last two. So I'm going to do this myself. Yes. But also it doesn't sound like she was going to be prepared for the interview with Emily either. She's not prepared for this. She she hasn't done her research. She doesn't even know anything about the magazine, about the job that she's going into. She's not ready. And I am highly shocked that Miranda gave her a chance because I would not have as a boss. I wouldn't have. Correct. 
you could have given feedback to say, here's why I'm not giving you a chance. Here's how you can prepare better next time. Absolutely. But. Absolutely. Have you, I, I mean, you've been, we've both been interviewing a little bit. How do you prepare for interviews? So I got some really good advice because the roles that I'm interviewing for are people leader roles because mm-hmm. I, I thought there was a spider coming down from the ceiling. Everyone good news. It's not a spider. There's a leaf outside the window and I'm a crazy person. Derail dollar. Derail dollar. Um, <laughs> because I, I mean, I'm a people person and I get, I can do things. I can get things done. I can complete tasks, but I also get a lot of enjoyment out of helping and supporting other people and helping them grow. So that's what I'm interviewing for right now. And someone gave me a great piece of advice, which was prior to the interview, try and job shadow some people that are actually doing the job that you would be managing Mm -hmm. and come up with like a 30 day, 60 day, 90 day plan. So that when you go into the interview, you can say, Hey, I've talked to some of the people that are in the role that I would be leading. Here's what I gained from them. And based off of that, here's kind of just a rough draft of my first 30, 60, 90 days. And what I think we can accomplish to really get the ball rolling in that time. And that helps me a get to know the position, B get to know the people I'd be leading C having a plan going into something, even if the solution is, Oh, that's bad. I got to scrap this and start something else. Right gives you kind of a peace of mind because you're prepared with something. Even if you're prepared with the wrong thing, people know that you've taken the time and effort to put something together. What about you? I do a number of things. Um, The first thing that I do is I LinkedIn stalk whoever is uh, hiring me. Are we talking light to medium or medium to heavy stalking? Medium to heavy stalking. Okay. Good to Um, know. I go on their LinkedIn profile. I look at their previous work history, where, what companies they've worked at, what skills people have endorsed them. There were any reviews left on a person. I do that too. And then I also uh, really research the company and the industry that I'm applying for. So because I work in IT, IT is such a broad industry, but there are mm. specific sectors that you can work in within, you know, the, the giant umbrella of IT. So there's like insurance, there's healthcare, there's media, like whatever the hell IT is involved with all of this. So if I'm unfamiliar with a particular industry that I'm applying to, I research that I go on the company's website. I get all of their information. Then I'll go on Glassdoor and I'll get more information about how the employees like it, how they don't like it. And I'm really like scoping out everything that I can to be prepared. Now I don't do practice interview questions or anything like that anymore because I feel like that would mess me up. Your face is like, you're a freak. (laughs) No, this just checks out so much. This, I feel like this is the same process you go through to prepare your Google doc for every single episode. Mm, Pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you guys wanted to get to know us, there it is in a nutshell. I do like light to medium preparation enough so that I know what I'm going to talk about and like under, I'm not going in blind (laughs) and Die writes a complete biography <laughs> the company and the hiring manager <laughs> and gets it published prior to applying. Well, part of, part of the research too, is like evaluating, do I want this job? Yeah, true. Is this job going to be right for me? I'm just at the point in my career where I don't want to take a job to take a job. I want to yeah. take a job that's going to 
give me growth and mm-hmm. is going to contribute to my career in a way where I can keep learning or I can be empowered to make decisions. So if it doesn't seem like a right fit it, as I'm doing all this analysis, then, you know, I kind of need them to persuade me a little bit, which sounds with cocky money. with money or with, with puppies. What, or, or responsibilities that are attractive to me. And I know that that sounds like so cocky, but it wouldn't, if I was a man saying this, right. I mean, Taylor Swift wrote an entire song about it. Exactly. We can, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, (laughs) have you ever tanked an interview? Like Andy tanks this one, but still somehow manages to get a job. I don't think I've ever fully tanked one. I think I've walked away from one because I mean, you guys and gals and everyone else, I think it's clear that I am not the most mentally and emotionally stable person in the world. I've been very open about that. And no matter what your preparation is, if you go into an interview on a day where you're just like not there mentally and emotionally, it's easy to like kind of do the best you can to get through it and walk away from it like that was not my A game. So I think I've walked away from a couple being like, that was not my A game and like kind of mentally ticking off. Okay. I have these three points that I really wanted to talk about and they just were gone. They just yeah. never happened. Yeah. I don't think I've ever walked in and been like, I have no idea what you're hiring for, but look at how cute my nails look. I could do it. Well, God, I hated that so much. I hated this scene. I hated it. And like the movie wants us to have like empathy for Andy because Miranda's like this like dragon lady, but I didn't. I was like, mm-hmm. no, Miranda is the top of this industry. How do you not come in prepared? Those were my thoughts with this scene. I love that she even when she says horrible things, she says them quietly. <laughs> By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. That's, so- she doesn't, none of it's like, are you kidding me? It's like, I'm going to say this very offensive thing very quietly. I love her. I don't care. She's fabulous. <laughs> and wonderful. And I'm here for it. <laughs> she can do no wrong. <laughs> uh, so... I think I, this is a, a small scene, but one thing that, that happens too is we meet Andy's friends, mm-hmm. which will come into play with this career decision that she's making. And they're all in jobs kind of right into their early careers where they're, they're basically taking jobs to pay the bills as you do. Correct. What was your first job coming into adulthood? So my first job, like kind of while I was in college, my, it was the first thing that I kind of did full-time was supposed to be like a secretarial position Okay. Um, for this uh, small business in my hometown. And I got it and I did pretty good at it. And of course I was like 18 or 19 when they hired me, I was in college full-time and essentially working full-time and I don't know how to say no. So though my pay never went very high, Mm. it was sure. I'll do the inventory. Sure. I'll do all the phone calls for collections. Sure. I'll do this to the point where I was getting paid. I think the most I ever got paid there was 1150 an hour. And I just 
I had the work of like seven people. And when you have that much, you can't do it well. So then I started getting really negative feedback. Fair enough. There wasn't ever a, like, you have too much on your plate. Let's take it away. It was, you're doing terrible. And if you continue doing terrible, I'm going to fire you. So I ended up quitting because that is not healthy mentally or emotionally. No one should treat their employees like that. And I went back to work in restaurants and started serving again while I was in school and made five times as much money serving and met some of my best friends. Did you ever have that conversation though, to say, Hey, this is too much work and I don't have capacity. Cause I think that that's part, partly on us as a part of ownership to do that as well and set the right expectations. Um, I would say it's absolutely on us to advocate for ourselves, but also yeah. I was a child. Yeah, of course. You working in you a small it. business that yep. was all men. Mm-hmm. There were other things happening in that business that I didn't speak about to anyone until recently. And it shouldn't be on a child, whether they're female or male to say, Hey, you've given me the workload of 13 people. And you're paying me the workload of maybe one ish. I need help. Like I can't do all of this. That to me, if you have a good manager and you have a good people leader, that people leader should be able to say, Hey, you've said yes to a lot of stuff. Some Mm -hmm. stuff is starting to slip. I think maybe we need to refocus your tasks, see what's most important. And then what becomes a, like, just when we have time for it task or what we can have somebody help like, to me, it's on management also to know yeah, your people both. and help them grow and learn in their yep. capabilities. Yep. I'm very bitter about that job. <laughs> I learned a lot, but I'm very bitter about it. <laughs> You're like Andy at the end. I learned a lot, <laughs> but we are getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> the job starts, she goes head first into it. To be fair, she doesn't really have proper training. It's very much sink or swim. You got to figure this out. And she learns about Paris Fashion Week and how important that is and how that's goals for this job as an assistant in this company, making it to Paris Fashion Week is everything. And not Mm -hmm. only that, but what comes along with being in this job for a year gives you tons of credibility that leads you to a lot of doors opening for you in the future too. So if you stick it out, also a lot of free and designer swag. I mean, I'm just saying. I'll take a pair of Jimmy Choo's if you want to throw them my way. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Matt and I talked about that and I was like, hey, do you see what's happening Did he watch here? it? He watched fa- a part of it with me. Uh, but I was like, you see what's happening here? This is my dream. So if we can just make it happen where people are like, oh, we need some Chanel. We got to make this happen because <laughs> if you look at me and go, LJ, I could really use some Kirkland signature. I've got you. <laughs> I have a business membership and I am ready to use it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do think that as she's pushed head first into this new mm-hmm. job, always though, the first 90 days are the toughest at a new job. There's so many things. I think I put a lot of stress on myself personally, because I'm like, all right, I'm, it's a new company. I'm 90 days in. Why am I not perfect already? Mm-hmm. Why? It's like, if they could just put like a little USB and a USB, I'm sorry, jump drive, 
a junk drive if they could just put a junk drive full of dick pics up there no they could just put get a usb drive and like upload everything Every, that you need to know right. so you're good to go yeah are no, you intimidated by the first 90 days i think i continually in the first 90 days try to take on too much uh-huh to show like i'm i'm like i'm like the meme of that dog that's sitting at the table drinking coffee and it says everything is fine and like the whole kitchen is on fire around yeah. it that's me the first 90 days yeah sure absolutely i can do that no problem because yeah. you want to, you want to impress people so much, especially yes. as a woman, you, if you, if there's like a, a guy who is a peer that's starting as well, like you, you're like, well, if they're going to do this, I need to be better. And I don't know if you feel that pressure, but I absolutely have always felt the pressure to be better than my male uh, peers in any organization. I can tell you wholeheartedly that I don't feel that way about males. I feel that way about everyone. Oh, I don't care what your gender is. I have to win. <laughs> I mean, checks out. <laughs> Just being honest. That checks out. <laughs> I, I also think it's, uh, it's important in that first 90 days, if you can, to get an understanding of how your boss operates. We see how Miranda operates and she's very like, you have to be prepared. Why are you not ready? Like she has high expectations for her employees working at the number one fashion magazine in the world. I would too. So I think it's important once you learn a boss's style, it's a lot, you, you can get into like either a comfortable position because you know how to like operate and work, or you can be just stressed as fuck all the time. Like Emily is. Let me tell you, uh, this may be an unpopular opinion. I think Miranda Priestley is fabulous. I don't think she's, I'm not going to say the best boss in the world, I'm going to say her management style would not be conducive to success for many people because there's, there's one thing for when someone has been trained and told, here's what you do to expect it and give feedback when it's not happening. And there's another thing for when someone who has just been like, here you go, get in there in your cerulean blue sweater and go to town, even though no one's taught you anything to be spoken to the way that she is. I have lots of problems with that. I get that, but I also feel like part of this movie, what they do an injustice to is to make it be that only women that are in these high, high level executive leadership styles, they have to be dragon ladies and they have to be working for the bitch and that they can't have a family life. And I think that's such bullshit. I hate that the movie does this. It's a lie. It is a lie. Because there are no less than four executive level employees with my company, all of whom are named Liz. So I think this is a little foreshadowing for my career with this company (laughs) who are fabulous and in communication with their employees, whether it's a new hire in the contact center or somebody who has worked up to like a director level position right? who share that like work-life balance is important. Here's what I did this weekend with my family. Here's our dogs on a raft. Like I have strong feelings. Well, I think that there are, there's definitely, I'm sure there exists the Miranda Priestley expectation. Oh, for sure. But I also think that they laid it on thick for the movie because I, what's that? Did they dramatize it? (laughs) (laughs) 
because I've worked in, in a few at this point in my career, big organizations where Mm -hmm. they, there are multiple executive levels and the women that I've worked with in these levels, I've seen all different types. I've seen the type where there is a Miranda Priestly and, you know, um, People give the, these women the bitch title, which I'm not a fan of because everybody has different management styles. And you know what? Some people actually respond okay to that management style. It depends. Andy did. Let Andy me just tell did you. respond great to Miranda's style. She picked it up quick. All I can think of is when you said the bitch title, all I can think of is I watched an episode of 30 Rock last night where Kenneth Parcells was like, And I'm not going to give her the title of bitch because bitches are loyal female companions and dogs and blah, 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 blah. She's a poopy head. (laughs) And that's all I can think about is how the bitch title, Kenneth was like, that's a compliment. (laughs) They're loyal and kind. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's all about like how we've redefined the terminology within our patriarchal society. But I, but I have seen tons of leaders that are, nurturing and do have a different, that it's not all about coercive, uh, um, coercive power or legitimate power that comes with the title. It is about like, uh, teamwork and balancing a family life, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Like you can, there are multiple facets to this, to a woman in an executive leadership power, but this movie only shows one type. Correct. And like, and also what year was this movie released? 2006. 2006. Okay. So I think women in the corporate world have come a little bit of a way since 2006. That too. And our perception of women in the the corporate world as well. One scene that does happen is Miranda does call Andy out in front of a whole team of people. That is one thing that I wouldn't do as a leader. I feel like there's a way to give feedback appropriately instead of like just kind of shoving someone down in front of a group of people and making them feel inadequate. That would have destroyed me. Yeah. And and the scene we're talking about uh, real quick is that Andy attends one of these cover prep meetings where they're picking on an outfit that's going to go on the cover of one of the volumes of the magazine. And Andy says like those, those belts look the same. And then she basically gets uh, a lesson in fashion real quick. Dressed down. Yeah. She was like that blue sweater that you have that you probably drug out of a bargain bin. That's not just blue. That's Cerulean blue, which was used in this designer's 2003 campaign, which then filtered down to this level of designers, which then started showing up in every department store in the world. So that sweater that you have on, that was picked out by people like us in rooms like this. And I was like, woof. I I think that Andy deserved feedback, but again, not in that manner. I think as leaders, uh, especially again, women, not cutting down another woman in the mm-hmm. core. I know I talked about this previously on another episode that we did, but like not cutting down women, especially in a corporate place, I think is really important. I think that the way that Miranda could have handled that feedback is, you know, in a one-on-one with Andy said, Hey, you know what? Um, although you're still learning the fashion industry, these things, making comments like that does not serve you well 
as an employee in this organization or in this industry. And people won't take you seriously if you don't take this work seriously. And let me explain to you. Yeah, go ahead. What do you think would have happened if she would have said, so sorry, can you explain to me the difference between the two belts? I don't think that would have gone well. well. No, I don't either. (laughs) Maybe she like mental note. I'm going to ask Stanley Tucci once this is over. Yeah. Another he's mentor. Nice yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Absolutely. So as we keep going, Andy is kind of half trying at her job. There's a few things that happen. One of which she's not able to book a flight back for Miranda to be able to see her Miranda's daughters play that they're in her entire dad visit. It ruins her dad visit, but I'm also like not super great with the way that her dad is condescending. No, absolutely not. To her. And it was because, like, I was going to let you get to the breadbasket before I laid into you about why you've made these life choices. Well, and like the emailing at 2 a.m. at work, it, everybody has different work schedules. Everything happens differently. If that's like the expectation for her particular job, that's one thing I get con- being concerned for your daughter, but saying you need to get a quote unquote real job. This mm-hmm. is a job in an industry that people would kill to have. It's mentioned throughout the movie. So don't, don't patronize her right. and say that this is not a real job when it does ma- matter to her. Mm-hmm. And it does mean something to her. Correct. I do love that. He's like, what are you supposed to do? Get the coast guard to get her out of there. And she's like, can I do that? Can I do that? Is that, a, is that is an that option? A, <laughs> how do you handle when you have extremely stressful things happening at work that where you've either missed the mark on something or, um, you don't feel prepared for something. If I've missed the mark on something, I immediately go to my superior and mm-hmm. say, here's what happened. Here's what I did. Yep. I need help. Like, how do I fix this? Yep. I don't try and cover it up. I don't try no. and hide it. I just am like, here's the situation. And usually if it's like, depending on if it's a, like, Hey, I'm going to need to reverse this task that I did and then do it again correctly. No big deal. But if it's like, Hey, I have to reverse this task for the last like three months. Cause we've been doing it wrong repeatedly and I didn't catch it. Then I'm like, okay, let me see if I can come up with a plan for how this how can to, be corrected. Yes, 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 yes. And bring it to you and say, here's what yes. happened. Here's what I'm thinking. Is this a good solution? Yes. If not, how do we do it? Which Boom. at my company, one of the main pillars is a willingness to own it. And after I've done that, I turn my camera off, sit down on the floor and cry. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> that's fucking okay. But I what, cleanse. What you, what you said is what I do as well. Okay, I fucked up. I missed the mark. I am going to be transparent as you always should be transparent. Mm -hmm. You should never cover shit up. It's only going to create a web of lies. People are going to call you on your shit and it makes you look dishonest because you are. Band-aids don't fix bullet holes. Ooh, band-aids. But anywho, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's too sticky. It's too sticky. But I, I think what you said is, is, is such a fantastic point. And that's what I do is like, okay, I've fucked up. How do I make this right? Before I tell my boss, let me already calculate a plan that's going to fix this and say, hey, I fucked up, but I have a plan. 
here's my plan. Is this good? I love what you said here for it. That's what I do. Well, and listen, I'm in a customer facing role. So I speak with customers every day. So I mean, I take the same approach with my customers. Granted, if it's something that they don't know is a mess up by me and we're already fixing it, I may not be like, Hey, here's the 10 things that I did wrong. Yes. Yes. But if it's something that I've messed up, I just tell them, look, this is a manual process. I made a mistake. I'm in the process of fixing it. Here's the day you can be expected it to fix by. Like you do not need to do. People have a lot more respect for that than finding out, you know, a year later, Hey, why was something wrong on all of our information for these three months last year? And we're just now finding out. Exactly. And and the way that you communicate with internal versus external external stakeholders is definitely different. You want to be transparent as you're saying, but they don't need to know the weeds and the nitty gritty of it. All they need to know is that there's a solution and it's going to happen. And just setting clear expectations with them is everything. One thing you said too, is I feel like as women, we can turn the camera off and cry, but like crying in the workplace is probably one of, unfortunately, the shittiest, worst things you can do as a woman, right? Especially in front of male male peers, right? Correct. My sweet, sweet company, pre-COVID, remodeled everything. And we have this like essentially beautiful brand new office and they put in meditation rooms, but there are rooms that are completely closed off. No one can see in, they're soundproofed. So now you can go in there if you need to have a moment mm. and there's like 20 minute timers where the light will slowly come back on to be like, okay, let's come out of this. And I know people that have just been having an awful day and we're like open, close, started over. So I appreciate having something like that available because in the corporate world, it is quite possible that like very heavy, stressful things happen. Yes. But, uh, in not corporate jobs, I have been known to do the, the bathroom stall quick cry. Yeah. Just get in there and get it out. Because as women, any sort of emotion that we show, you're probably on your period. You're on your period. You're too emotional to handle a job. You're not competent. You're inferior. You're blah, 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 false, 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 false. But that's the perception that's out there. And it, unfortunately, even though we, we shift it, it still exists. I would love for a test group of men to have the amount of hormones and other things rolling around in their body on a day-to-day basis and never cry science people. If you're listening, please schedule this. Hey, Jack, can you get with some science people? (laughs) Find us some science people. King gutter baby on Instagram, I think would be a really good option. She seems very smart. So get with King gutter baby and get back to us. Also, I want to point out too, that if Andy is so stressed and she's like, I don't want to change everything about me for this job, then maybe it's not the right job for you. I would like to keep my personality, but get all those clothes. I uh, don't know how you make that work in this movie, but <laughs> you don't, unless you're like a really good thief, <laughs> just, just driving your fake, like janitor cart around. There's actually nothing in it. You're just throwing <laughs> clothes and shoes in and like, neighbor. <laughs> so after Andy has a pity party, Stanley Tucci, uh, 
Kate's character, Nigel, basically like whips her into shape and says like, stop having a pity party. There are a million people that would line up at the door for this job. Like you need to get your shit together and you've been half-assing it. And And then he covers her in designer clothes (laughs) while he's telling her, these are all sample sizes. I doubt any of this will fit a six, but somehow winds up with a full new wardrobe. Yes. And oh my God, that wardrobe is everything. Two is the new four, zero is the new two, and six is the new 14. I have issues with that, but continue. It's unrelated. So, well, let's just do a blanket statement real quick about all of that shit. Because one, I hate that it's in a movie because it makes us feel inferior as women for not being size X. But two, I do think that that's realistic in the fashion industry that there are there's bullying and discrimination that happens with different sizes. I mean, that's why we talked on a previous episode about Christian Seriano being amazing and actually being one of the first designers who increased his revenue drastically when he started being size inclusive in his designs. Also that bullying that happens in the fashion industry creates unrealistic beauty standards that get splashed all over movie and TV and magazine covers, which then is what our little girls see. Yep. Which as we've mentioned in a previous episode, a lot of little girls have eating disorders and body dysmorphia because uh, they don't think they're pretty enough or good enough. And they are. So blanket statement, all bodies are beautiful. The end. One, one scene I want to point out that I like every time I've seen this movie and I've probably seen this movie, like no joke. 20 times. It is my mom's okay. and not my's movie. Like this is our mom daughter movie. Okay. Is when Christy with a K begged me to not make her watch it. So, <laughs> so not, not her, you movie. and Lisa with an E can keep it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she's at dinner. She's gotten into the groove at her job. She brings her friends gifts from work hands them out. Like it's just handing out candy at Halloween. I had to slip that reference in. And (laughs) and by the way, her friend getting the Marc Jacobs bag is me. She's like, I can't possibly take this as she's like, this is mine. I'm loading it up. Yes. Yes. So as she gifts her friends, these things from work, her phone rings and it's Miranda and they play a game of keep away with her work call this is so fucking oh my god every time i want to punch the screen because they're trying to make it like haha she takes her job so seriously as she fucking should we should all take our jobs seriously unless you hate your job in which case fuck it and leave but like she's in this job she's finding her way she would not play keep away with any of their professional things that is so inconsiderate. And, and they try to make it seem like she's overreacting, but I don't think that she is. I would be livid if this happened. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I I don't even like this, like in the sense of like, if that was like a a boyfriend or someone that she's dating and that was happening, I still wouldn't find that funny at all. I'm, I am not, don't ever prank me. Don't ever prank me. Our friendship will end. No, I'm just, I'm being honest. I don't find it funny. Yeah. Like don't mess. I don't mess with your stuff. I don't try to answer calls when somebody's calling your phone. I don't say anything about your job. So no matter what you think about my job and my stuff, don't bury it down deep. Never bring it up again. It's not yours to speak on. And also she's supportive of their jobs. Like she goes to her friend's 
opening of like a gallery that she's mm-hmm. curated like she's and says I'm proud of you like why can't they be supportive of her job I really don't understand that because it's they're used to Andy who's in school and has time to hang out and have Boom. drinks and have Boom. fancy grilled cheese and this that and the other and she's moving into a new stage of life where she does not have the free time to do the things that she previously did and so that's not fun anymore but, but they, you know what? If you get real busy and when you do show up, you give me a $1,900 Mark Jacobs bag, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally okay. <laughs> uh, I just had to point out how shitty that scene is. Not great. She, she does leave dinner and this is where she gets introduced to another character. His name is Christian Thompson. And the reason that I... I think that they're trying to utilize Christian Thompson as this other man that works also in the journalist industry. He's a journalist. I think that they introduce this character for a few things. One of which is we, we get in this movie, we don't get a ton of exposure to men in the corporate world, but the ones that we do see are not great. So Christian kind of plays a tit for tat for her. Like helps her get through a situation that happens with Miranda where she delivers a book wrong. She accidentally stumbles upon Miranda's personal life, which Miranda keeps her personal life and her private life very separate. Personal. Yep. And so he, she, she calls upon a favor for this, from this guy, Christian, and he kind of holds it over her head the entire time. Like now that I've done something for you, you owe me. What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? And I don't like <laughs> this because I think it's, it, it gives men in, in corporate a, a bad name too, because not all men are like this. And, mm-hmm. um, I have had really phenomenal male mentors in my career that it's not about what will you give me to, for me to give you something back? Like, it's not about Mm -hmm. that. It's men that care and want to help. And same as women, like it doesn't, it's not a blanket statement, but that's the perception that we see. It's like, and, and if you're a woman in the corporate world, it's always about sex with man. And I don't, I don't like that here. No, one of my closest work friends is a dude and we have both like fully supported each other Cause he got hired on five, six months after me mm-hmm. and we just wound up being in cubicles beside each other. And like, we bounce ideas off each other. We've reviewed each other's resume. Like we're both like applying for other jobs. We're both helping each other prepare for that. The AVP of my current department is a man who is absolutely phenomenal and openly talks about mental health and therapy. And if any single person on that floor wanted to like walk up to his desk and be like, Hey, I really want to talk to you about like my career and what I can do. Or like, Hey, my dog died and I need someone to listen to me. He would be like, done. Let's go. Right. Right. And I think that I, I, I'm sure this does exist absolutely where oh, hundred percent. you can't tell if like someone is sincere. In- Have you ever come across it personally? Uh, like where a guy is like expecting not, a favor, not maybe like sexually, but maybe I've done this for you and I'm not going to forget it. And now when I need something out of you, I will get it. I have not. I have, I've, I can't give you specifics, but I okay. can tell you that when, when it was time for me to pay back, I was like, 
no, the original interaction was not, here's this thing with the expectation of that blank check can be written at a later date. No, it was, Hey, here's this thing. Good luck. And thank you very much. And I thanked you for that. And I've learned from it and I wish you all the best. This is not my problem. As a woman in the corporate world, you got to have your feelers out. You got to like, is this person sincerely offering up help because they care about your improvement and like journey and growth Mm -hmm. or are they expecting something back? And let me tell you, not only from the receiving end, like you want someone who's going to like, just cares about your growth. You've got to return that to others as well. Like when you help someone, there should be no expectation of what are they going to give me back? I feel like that's becomes just transactional and doesn't Mm -hmm. really help you grow. Agreed. The mentalist is gross in this movie. He's wrong. Just put a bow on that. So a few things happen. One of which is uh, Emily is sick and there's this event happening at, there's this event happening where Miranda then asked Andy to attend when she was not previously scheduled to do so. And And she was supposed to be at Nate's birthday. Nate's birthday and simple conversation with your partner of, Hey, this unexpected work thing came up. I know it's your birthday. How about we celebrate Saturday? Is that cool? And have conversations as an adult because it's going to come up on his end too. I think another thing that we don't see in this movie as well is they don't show us Nate's work. They don't show us how Andy has been there for him during his career stuff. Like they make it seem that Andy is like this power hungry career woman and she's leaving her boyfriend in the dust. Well, what's his job? Where is he feeling fulfilled? What are his desires? Like we don't see that. The most relatable thing Nate does this entire movie is he's making her this artisanal grilled cheese and she's walking around trash talking the, the clackers, the girls whose heels go clickety clack in the, the entryway. And then she's like, I'm not even hungry anymore. This is probably why they're so skinny. And she just shoves it away. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. That has like $8 worth of Jarlsberg in it. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not getting wasted. <laughs> that's we do not only, waste Jarlsberg in this house. That's his only redeeming quality. Because other than yeah, that, the rest Nate of it is, is garbage. Fucking trash. I can't stand this guy. I think that he is the actual devil and the title, the devil wears Prada, even though he's not wearing Prada and he's wearing some like sweat. He does give around the house, a memorable not- speech about a full week of potatoes while he's holding a French fry, going, feel the consistency of this fry. Um, and I was like, eat it. Shut up. And so they go their separate ways. That's all we'll say about this right now. But the other thing that happens is that because Andy stepped up at work in a really good way, she's now outperforming Emily. And so as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the goals for this job is attending Paris Fashion Week. And now Mm -hmm. Miranda told Andy you're going in replace of Emily. So a couple things about this. One of which I absolutely think the most qualified person should go. Yeah. At, from a, from a, just a pure business corporate mm-hmm. perspective. Do you think that Andy should have been the one that had to tell Emily? No, that's my okay. second thing. I don't okay. think that. I think Miranda should have pulled uh, Emily into a one-on-one and said, hey, Emily, I just want to let you know this is what's been happening. Andy has been busting her ass 
And I think that she deserves to go to Paris Fashion Week and I'm going to invite her. Here are the things that I think you can do to prepare yourself to make next year's Fashion Week. If you want to go next year, here are the things. We also have this event coming up. This, these are, these mm-hmm. are the ways that you can step up in your job and like make sure you secure your spot next year. That's what I think should have happened. Okay, follow-up question. Okay. Let's say you are one of the people on the street when Emily gets hit by a taxi <laughs> and the Hermes scarfs go flying. What do you do first? Get as many of those ridiculously overpriced scarfs as you can and <laughs> shove them in your bag or check on Emily? It's me. I check on Emily. And then as I make sure she's cool. Yeah, she's like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) I would have one eye on her and be like, she's breathing. I don't see any blood. There's no bones. She's going to make it. There's a lot of people here. Let me get a couple of these scarves because mama needs to sell them on eBay. (laughs) Anyways, I was just curious. How would you have handled the situation if you were Andy? Let's say Miranda did tell you hey, you have to tell Emily that she's not going. How do you handle that? So here is a look into how terrifying of a place my brain is. And this is like a hypothetical that you're asking me. I don't have to do this in real life. I have a lot of friends that would be like, whatever, I've earned it. If this is what I've got to do, Emily, hey, she's taking me to Paris Fashion Week. I just want to let you know. When are you going to be in the office? Cool, see you then. I personally would freak out about it for a long time. Yep. S- probably stress myself out so bad that I went into a flop sweat. Yeah. 100%. Same. I don't think it should be my job to tell Emily she's not going to Paris Fashion Week. I don't think that as a people leader and a manager, you should ever put your direct employees in that position. You should never put any employee in that position. So I would probably have a whole speech prepared about how I didn't ask for this and I wasn't angling to get this and this wasn't my goal. And I thought you were going and I would just do this whole thing. And then Emily would still be upset. So I would change my name and buy a passport on the black market and move to another country. Okay. I was Mm -hmm. with you until that last part, Mm -hmm. but yes, I would feel, I would feel horrible, but I also would do all that. Like set up like you did. Like I didn't expect this. She did ask me to tell you here's what's happening. Can I buy you 10,000 gallons of your favorite alcohol? So Andy's in Paris fashion week, couple things happen. The Christian, the mentalist, the mentalist, Christian Thompson, as we discussed earlier is like, Hey, pay up on your favor, which I hate. He, they go out to dinner together and then she says no a bunch of times, and then he continues to ask and pursue her, even though he's she's not even asking. No. He just continues shoving his tongue down her throat. Correct. Not a fan. Not mm-hmm. a fan. Spoiler so she, alert: Neither is any other woman in the entire world, or anyone. She didn't want the sprite, and then she felt obligated to do the sprite, and then she had the sprite, and the next and then morning, she regretted the sprite. And the next morning she finds out some information. There's a lot that's getting shifted in, uh, in the corporate world with who's going to be running, what, who's mm. going to be losing titles, etc. And it's your standard for, for those of you that, that don't necessarily work in the, in the corporate world, but it's like your, kind of your standard reorg switch up. There's a lot that's happening and she's concerned because it sounds like Miranda is going to lose her title. 
And so she's like, feels this obligation as a good employee to go to her boss and say, Hey, this is happening. I need to tell you and let you know that you're about to be outed. Meanwhile, she finds out that Stanley Tucci's character, Nigel is now going to be benefiting from this reorg in the company. And so as they progress, she finds out a couple of things, one of which is that Miranda is keeping her position. Mm -hmm. She has swindled her way to maintain her position by working out some things, threatening some things and kind of shifting everything that ends up screwing Stanley Tucci. But then the other thing that we find out too, we do get a little bit of a deeper insight into Miranda and her personal life too, where in the midst of all this, as she's trying to hold on to her career, the thing that gives her joy in life, she is losing the marriage that she has. And she's very concerned about how this affects her children kind of see a glimpse into her. One specific thing I want to point out is that while, while Andy was at dinner with Christian, she very much says like Miranda's looked at this way, but if she like as a dragon lady, as a bitch, as ruthless, as blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But if she were a man, she'd be looked at as powerful and like someone making moves to stay afloat and like very, um... you're accidentally almost saying a Taylor Swift lyric. <laughs> like you're that close. Uh... So unimportantly, I just need to tell you that while I was rewatching this movie yesterday and today, I kept trying to think of like the fan club name for Stanley Tucci because you know, like Benedict Cumberpatch is Cumberbitches, Taylor Swift is the Swifties. The only thing I could come up with Stanley Tucci is Tucci's Poochies. And I, just, <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. I think it's going to work. <laughs> and every time we say his name, my head, I hear Tucci and my head goes Poochie. <laughs> I'd happily be a Stanley Tucci. I'll be, a two, I'll be the first Tucci Poochie. Let's start it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole Paris thing is rough on so many levels on the level of Miranda being like, we need to review the seating arrangement. We need to move Snoop Dogg to my table. And I got a lot of Martha Stewart vibes off of that decision. <laughs> um, so I'm really, I, I'm so happy for this journey for her and her being like, well, you're, Andy being like, well, your table's full. And she's like, no, it's not. My husband's not coming. And she's like, well, what if he changes his mind? And she's like, well, please, if he decides to rethink the divorce, let me know. And then Andy, of course, just immediately goes into like, I'm a person first. Like, what do you need? Are you okay? Do you want me to cancel your plans for tonight? And Miranda Priest is just like, no, why would I do that? Because she separates Mm -hmm. work and personal and she has a hard line. And a lot of women do. I'm someone where I'm a little bit, as a leader, I like to show my personality. I like to give insight into my life because I think it makes me a human and I want to just make awesome apps with other humans. So Mm -hmm. that's, but there are some people that do draw hard lines, no matter woman, what male, non-binary, transgender, et cetera. Like they set hard lines and I'm not faulting her for doing that and maintaining her composure. So I have some thoughts on this Okay, because kind of If you look at the way a lot of other countries work, where they provide for like, it's normal to take a month off for vacation. 
And it a lot, some countries are um, trying out the four day work week to see if it affects productivity versus what it affects like in the work-life balance and how happy employees are. Whereas in America, it's like, you're going to come to work this job. We're going to give you more responsibilities than you can reasonably finish in 40 hours. We're going to give you the worst PTO package possible. Your um, healthcare is tied to your job. So if you don't have a job, you also can't get taken care of like that. Like so much in the United States is you're working to live. Right. So in this country in particular, you don't have enough time where you're not working to deal with the things that happen in life. There's not enough time to process, like make a plan, deal with the things that happen. But so you also true. don't have enough PTO or enough mental health coverage through whatever your health plan is to take the time off to do that. Cause if you do that, you're going to wind up losing your job or having to take unpaid days at which point then you can't pay rent. So in the United States specifically, and I've gotten on a soapbox and I'm very sorry. I'm very happy to say that the majority of the managers that I have worked under don't like let you come in and just spend a whole day crying at your desk. But like, if something has happened they're they're people, they know things are going right. to happen to them too. And there's going to be days when they right. come to work and something's on their shoulders. So they find that balance of what's appropriate to know, like, hey, we're all humans. And sometimes things happen that suck. And sometimes we hurt. And sometimes we struggle. And that's okay. As long as it's not like completely tanking our work. Um, so I think that counts as derailed dollars because I just got up on a big old soapbox. But <laughs> I find it really hard to work for people who draw that hard line of your personal life is your personal life and you need to check it at the door because we just don't have enough balance between work and life to, to check it. We don't, we don't in the American workforce. You're absolutely right. Especially as American working women, we definitely don't. And so I think that, you know, again, we talked about when this movie came out, Oh six, mm-hmm. um, not that, things have drastically changed in these years. I'm pretty sure that the minimum wage is still the same. <sighs> Feel confident um, on that. Oof. But I also get people who do want to keep it separate. I do. So I understand people who take that approach. I think it's unrealistic to expect every other person to take that approach. Oh, absolutely. So what ends up happening is Andy decides to quit. She quits the job Bye. after witnessing kind of, you know, the, the extent to which Miranda goes to secure her position and says like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Like you, you've got to do what feels comfy and what feels good for you. So she ends up leaving a couple things happen. One of which I will, um, talk about briefly just to say, I fucking hate it. Um, is this she, about Nate? Yeah, it could be. She, <laughs> she meets up with Nate to like apologize to him. She didn't need to apologize. She did not need to apologize. Mm-hmm. And she meets up with Nate to say, I'm so sorry. I lost myself and I don't know what for. And he says, for shoes, for purses, for belts, for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guess that what? Her right shoes there. and purses and belts are your palm frites and jus and ruse. Exactly. Chef talk. 
Oh, that I like. That was good. Thank was you, Gordon good. Ramsay, for training thanks, me from thanks, my couch. Gordon. Um, <laughs> but that just shows you he never took her seriously. He never mm-hmm. took her job seriously. Well, I mean, I think his whole speech of you could be dancing on a pole every night and I wouldn't care as long as you owned it. He would was kind though. of like he would hundred oh, percent. But that's more of him being like, I don't care what you do as long as you are there for me when I need you. Correct. And if you're not there for me when I need you, you're the worst. The second thing oh, that ha- the, the the final final thing that happens is that uh, Andy is applying for a new job and mm-hmm. they check her references. She's actually applying for a job in journalism. And the person that's interviewing her is asking about her previous work history. And he's like, you worked at runway for like 11 months. Like what kind of a hell, like what kind of a blimp was that on your resume? She says, I learned a lot. And basically it wasn't the right fit for me in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also said, I messed it up. And I think that that's fair, actually. He's like, well, I did call over and I got a fax from Miranda Priestley that you are the biggest disappointment that she's ever had, but that if I didn't hire you, that I was an idiot. And I think that although Miranda was seemed quote unquote harsh in her ways, sometimes you need a boss or leader to push you. Look at all the growth Andy had in those 11 months. You, you saying that is like got me flashing back to middle school sports where they were like, LJ, I know you can do better. And that's why I yell at you. And I'm like, man, could you just pull me aside and talk to me? I'll do better if you talk to me. You do not have to yell. <laughs> and that's the Devil Wears Prada. So, so now's the point in the episode where we rate the media we've reviewed in relation to the topic that we've talked about. Today's topic again is women in the corporate world. LJ, what rating do you give the Devil Wars Prada? I'm going to give it four chicks for a plethora of reasons. One, I think it's furthering the stereotype that to get anywhere as a woman, you have to be the dragon lady. You have mm-hmm. to be the bitch. Yep. And that is absolutely not true. And that's putting out a false narrative for young little future presidents everywhere. Two, it's showing a very, to me, aggressive management style, which yes, that is some manager style, but part of being in management and having people under you is also helping them learn and grow. And their success is a reflection of you and how you've set them up. And I don't think Miranda sets anyone up for success. I think she gives them the opportunities to succeed, but then is like, well, you failed. I gave you the opportunity. You didn't figure it out. That's on you. And I kind of describe that as you're going to have managers that will share in your successes. And then your failures are your failures. And they distance themselves from it because that was you, not them. And then you're going to have managers that share in your successes. And when a failure comes up, they're in the trenches with you. And helping you see what you can take from it, what you can learn from it, how we can fix it, all that good stuff. I hated the emphasis that was placed on looks and size and all of that. And I know that wasn't directly related to women in the corporate world. But then when you look at pictures of females that are in executive positions, what kind of body types do they have? You know, who's making the, the cover of magazines? And I know that's not everyone, but I think. This movie represented 0.01 
5% of women in the corporate world, but presented it as, hey, if you want to get into a corporate position, this is what you can expect. And I'm rating it so low because I have multiple corporations worth of experience where that is not it. Di, what are you rating it? I'm going to rate it a five out of 10 chicks. Although I love this movie and it brings me joy. I don't think that it represents women in the corporate world. Well, for the reasons that you stated, I I agree to the most part. It's not realistic that the majority of the women in the workplace that you work for are also going to be women, especially if you work in a male dominated uh, industry like I do. And I would have liked to see different interactions with men than like the one or two that we saw in this movie. I think it would be good to see different dynamics and like how to hold yourself up against men or expectations of men in the corporate world. I, I have a mixed bag of feelings about Miranda. Her leadership style is not mine. I'm Mm -hmm. very much what you discussed. That's my leadership style. I am a human. You're human. Let me help you grow and let me set the right expectations, have the right conversations with you to understand what is expected of you and how I can help you achieve your grow goals. Um, because it is my job as a leader to grow you off my team. I want to make, I want to help you reach your goals to where your aspirations are larger than what I can provide you. And I can grow you off my team. That's mm-hmm. my goal as a leader, but I understand I do understand Miranda's leadership style. And I think I would be okay working for someone like this where not everyone is absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think that she holds high standards for her team. And I think you have to do that as basically a CEO of an organization. You do have to have high standards for your team and you do have to push your team. Um, She's very direct about what she needs done and she's earned respect and reputation for what she's done in this industry. We Mm -hmm. hear Stanley Tucci's character say, her opinion is the only one that matters. And we see that list of designers, photographers, et cetera, that will go with her wherever she goes. And that's because she has their respect. Although I'm not her leadership style and mine's not the same way. I do Mm -hmm. admire her as a leader. And I hate that women like that always get the bad rap. What is not great also about this movie as it pertains to women in the corporate world is that you, it's either you are a solo corporate powerhouse and you can't have a family or you can't have friends or you can't have any sort of relationship outside of work. That's so false and we know it. And I think it just reinforces like a lot of patriarchal expectations about women in the workplace and that it is all or nothing and it's not. So that's why I give it a five out of 10, even though I love this movie. So now for your homework, sweet little chickadees. If anyone is a woman or a man or a they or a them or an anyone, if anyone's in corporate and you want to tell us about your experience, whether it's been good or bad, we want to hear about it. And you can email it to us at chickshippod at gmail.com. You can try and find us on Facebook, but you won't unless you use chick stuff pod because Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> thinks SHIT should not be able to be seen together. <gasps> we have some feelings about that, but I digress. Follow us Instagram, Twitter, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, at chick ship pod. Die, what am I forgetting? If you have capacity to leave us a review, 
please do so. A written review goes a long way as well as a star five-star rating. If you leave us a fun written review, we are sending out the cutest little postcards to you. So if you write us a written review, please, 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 please reach out to us with your uh, address so that we can get you a postcard sent out. A postcard is our way of saying thank you. And you also get a little dice doodle. Um, not can't promise you much because you go, you have all witnessed my doodle skills. <laughs> they are limited, but I like They're doing beautiful. It. They'll be in the Louvre. We will see you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. You've been listening to Chick Shit. We hope this episode has pushed you just enough to lose a little faith in the media's veneer and gain some useful knowledge to help navigate the day-to-day nonsense that we women contend with. For resources and general mischief, follow on Instagram and Twitter at ChickShitPod or get in touch by email at ChickShitPod at gmail.com. To help others find the show, please like and subscribe. And if you know a woman who might appreciate two new friends and a good dose of laughter, please share this podcast. Until next time, keep it real.